Let's talk trending news. Trending news right now. Four minutes past four. Let's look at what's happened in social media in the last 24 hours. Adekunle Owolabi joining us via the U or from the UAE via our Zoom. How are you today, Ade? Hi, Sandra. I'm doing good. And yourself? I'm good. Thank you very much. Uh, let's uh, go straight to it. Hashtag Cuba. Let's talk about this. What's happening here? The International Relations and Cooperations Minister or the Ministry uh, wanting to donate 50 million rand to Cuba and uh, this being now halted in terms of an interim interdict filed by AFRI Forum. Tell us more. This is an interesting um, uh, case. Um, I want to see how the African firm successfully um, got their way in this um, um, donation that uh, was supposed to happen to, to the Cuban government. Um, it, it, we, we were expecting something like this to happen. And, um, and uh, the government, on the government side, they did say they will be turning to, to the court to challenge this. And I think other forums are losing to this. It's, it's quite valid. I think at this point in time, it resonates with, uh, with the people of the country where they complain about unemployment, high rising of um, food costs and um, inflation, all sorts of things. And, and whether the government find money to donate to the, to the Cuban uh, government. And um, I think it is quite a product on social media um, to advertise for this. And the, the thing is, we, we just begin to look at, um, we need to also understand why is DECO uh, making this move? What is it about? Why did they need to donate this uh, amount of money to them, it is about the, the Cuban uh, doctors and the services that were altered in the country. Or what exactly does this mean? And and it's quite the engagement is still going on, and uh, until even when the government side decided to also announce that they will be heading back to court and they are busy talking to their to their lawyers and, and looking how to approach uh, uh, this case. So this essentially pauses this implementation of the so-called humanitarian aid that South Africa has agreed in uh, the figure of 50 million uh, rands that it will provide to the Republic of Cuba. So there'll be a return to court, we understand, on in about 20 days' time. What are the results? As you say, they're consulting the legal representatives on the side of the international relations and cooperation. What are the chances that this 50 million rand donation would go ahead and, and be granted to Cuba? Um, provided that um, it's, it's, it's the, the reasons might be justifiable in, in the court of law, and it's the, the judge doesn't see it as a waste of money, and they can justify the, the need for this. So we should also know that we, the, the two countries share quite a lot of um, uh, long uh, relationships that they've had, and we've seen that Africans that do go for to do. To the Cuban side of uh, for, for medical um, training and the lives, and there might be a lot of other things that are signed on paper that may not be uh, open to the public. And this is a time when the government gets to bring those sort of agreements that were made. Of course, if they are lawful agreement and um, justifiable, and um, the, the court might just 
it's okay, you know, you do not need to spend uh, spend up to fifty million rand. You might want to do half of it. You might want to do ten million or fifteen million. There might be just ways the the the, the judge might look at it uh, so as to preserve the benefit that uh, the, the country gained from this. Uh, relationship that we have with Cuba as a country. So there's quite a lot of things that the lawyer can motivate um, um, the, the ruling, and the judge might just overturn it or find a way of reducing that uh, that amount of money. Of course, Africa would be up in arms, and they wouldn't want that to happen. They actually do not they do not think uh, we have a space where Salamita as a country should be donating uh, money to any country care about, not even just for Cuba as a country. All right. And I mean, as well as Afroforum, they might have filed the interdict, but they're not the only uh, organization that's against the donation. There's about other 60 NPOs that have come together to form the Hunger Coalition to halt this donation. So, uh, as you say, we'll see how that goes. Let's take a short break. We'll continue with our trending news. Adekunle Owalabi, social commentator, joining us from the UAE. 13 minutes past four. Let's continue with our trending news. What's happened in social media in the last 24 hours? Adekunle Owalabi, social commentator, joining us. Ade, the next topic now, hashtag Dobsonville. This is about the economic freedom fighters being in a standoff with Operation Dudula supporters. And this was uh, as they were accompanying a man by the name of Victor Ramirafe to open a criminal complaint against Operation Dudula, uh, the leader there in Tlantla Lux, and this was in Dobsonville at the police station there. Um, what was this in relation to in terms of the criminal complaint? Yes, uh, Sandra. Um, uh, I, I, I don't know if you can hear me. Is it better now? Is the line yes. better? Yes, we can. And it's quite... It's, it's quite um, it's 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 a, a predicted situation that um, we were expecting EFF to to react and and when this um, this um, raid happened and it, it was the, the the message was out on social media and there was some sort of uh, compassion and and reaction towards towards the, the the man that was involved in this. And and EFF did made their their stand known regarding this that they are going to help this man to to get justice and they think the operation Udula needs to be stopped. They think the approach is different. So so what happened? What is the criminal complaint? What happened against Victor Ramirafi? So it it was it was the the raid. It was an assault that happened uh, on him. Mm-hmm. At his uh, premises, and and that is what EFF wanted him to to get the justice on, and it's it, it, you know because it, it I mean it's not just for EFF. I think the more the sympathy around the situation was weighed more on he, on his side, and EFF, as we know, um, is they decided to rest to the occasion to to get justice for the man, and Israel helped him to open the. The, the case. So he was raided, this 59-year-old man. And what was the reason for the raid uh, on the side of Operation Dudula? We know that they've kind of taken matters into their own hands in terms of uh, what they believe is rooting out South Africa of corruption. What was the reason in this in this case of raiding a 59-year-old man's house? They, they have accused uh, the, the pensioners uh, of being in drugs 
So that was the um, the operation to do as accusation. Uh, accusation. They've they've uh, he was assaulting the process when they were breaking into his home and and trying to see whatever they were looking for. And and it was that pro that um, that was actually what happened. And which he felt violated. He felt his rights was violated. And and. This was actually um, really unnecessary approach. I mean, if someone think um, suspects someone of any uh, wrongdoing, of course they need to follow the the law and get the law enforcement involved, mm. and they can do their, their job from there. So I think EFF rising to the occasion at this point in time is sending the message to the um, to the organization, the Vigilante Group. And the government has been reacting towards it. And I think it, it is something that uh, we all watching f- uh, from a distance. Just, okay, how is this going to go? And um, it, it's, it's, I think it's, it's bound to happen. And knowing that they've been clashing with the police in Alexandra, they've been clashing with the police in, in, um, in Hillbro, And now this time around, this is just um, something that the organization needs to look into. Of course, everyone has a right to protest, and we just have to not break the law in the process of uh, trying to get your opinion across uh, to the government. It would definitely seem like vigilantism. In my view, I think I agree, as you say, and I also agree with the sentiments of the EFF. I mean, for them to support this man, they were saying that the group's activities, the grouping Operation Dudula, constitute vigilantism and criminality targeting vulnerable people. I want to take the stance and agree with that because also, I mean, as you say, the alleged drug dealings that were happening in this man's house were as a result of a tip-off from uh, drug users. That's what on the side of um, Operation Tudula member, Cheese Kalakala, who said that uh, people who lived on the streets, that they were told there were drugs that were being sold there. I mean, surely this is not how things are pursued lawfully. As you also have said, there has to be due processes and investigations on the side of law enforcement. We don't just act on hearsay or what people are saying on the streets because there could be personal agendas that surface for, from that. It does seem vigilante-like in my view. Um, we're going to talk Ashley Barty. Maybe let's start on that before we take another break. Uh, Ashley Barty, uh, retiring at the age of 25, this Australian tennis star and world number one. I think we no, most people didn't see that uh, coming and mm. um, I'm for a person who like uh, this is still not that old and I think there's still more more games to play there's still more more years to have and the interesting part of this uh, retirement announcement was um, it was done over Instagram and as opposed to no more uh, press conferences and all sort of um, a procedure. But um, it, 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 people, of course, quite um, she was quite emotional about it, and um, we all also feel like um, it's, it's not it wasn't something that um, we we expecting. But um, if someone decides to retire, I think uh, we have to let them go for it and pursue other interests. Imagine retiring at 25, eh? Some people have nice life things. But, I mean, she is saying that she feels she's fulfilled her tennis goals, and but also there's also fatigue with her life being on tour that she felt that she just needs to take a break and walk away. And I think it's a, it's a good call. And um, health is wealth, and you also feel like, if you feel like doing something else, if you feel like you've had enough, it's actually quite good. And there was even an interesting 
uh, uh, tweet about it and someone has had to go political about it. Like, look, I mean, we have politicians that feel like if you actually feel you've had your time, I think it's time to hang in the towel and, and pursue your interests so that we can we can run the country. And it's quite interesting, quite sentimental though, but I think it's a good call. Um, we have to uh, support her and uh, of course she will be missed based on the screens and uh, the game but um and that is life yeah nice life problems yeah yeah she's got nice life problems i don't know what i would do I, I retire from like age 25 what else do you do <laughs> just chill at home enjoy your money and your success that's just a nice life uh, uh hashtag nice life story let's continue on that one because i also i want to look at you know the average athlete and what age they normally retired. I think it's around 30, uh, but we'll continue on this chat. We need to take a short break. This is Trending News. Trending News right now. So the average age Ade, uh, that an athlete is likely to retire is usually before age 30, but that, and that's according to a research looking at basketball and baseball players, but that's usually because of injury. Um, I don't know if, I mean, Ashley Barty citing that she's also had, you know, some mental health challenges in terms of what happened in 2020 and she wanted to just take some time a year off nearly to stay home with family if that can maybe i don't know be re, re, you know i guess we have to now redefine what we mean by injury with everything that's happened in the world could we look at it in that way as well i think definitely we we should give we should be able to look at it in that um, in that way because she's um, our reasons are, of course, valid to her, and we have to accept it. And we should also know that um, in that time where times have changed, I mean, look, we have to wear masks. I don't know for how many months or even going to years, and have to adjust our lifestyle. There's a lot of things that has happened, and it's, it's there's a lot that's happened pre-COVID, during COVID, and we have to go through this. So I think it, it, it's quite daunting on quite a lot of people, and, and some of us have lost close ones, and some of us can't just even figure it out how to cope afterwards. And it was just something that we were not expecting, and it was just shocking. And and I'm sure she she's probably going to hang around. We're probably going to see her watching the games. She'll probably declare other interests, what she'll be doing. And um, we just, um, it's just, I think we we'll, we'll, so we just need to start getting used to it, that Ashibati is, is actually um, off um, the, the, the game. Yeah, and there are other examples of athletes retiring before the time that they were expected to. In the tennis field of things, uh, Bjorn Bjork, uh, the tennis star in 1984, retired at the age of 26. And he cited a mental burnout uh, after winning 11 Grand Slams. I think Ashley got 15. Uh, but also Michael Jordan retired at the age of 30, uh, but he did come back, I guess. So I don't know if that one counts because he came back less than two years and then played three more seasons and then retired again. But, I mean, the pressure on sports stars, and we were speaking about this in yesterday's Wellness Corner in terms of what they go through and how some fans really just take the sports so seriously that they put so much pressure on these stars. Do you think that also has something to play in stars retiring earlier than expected? I think it it takes uh, it's something to to consider, and I would look at it like I would think maybe uh, also football for an example, which is something that um, it is highly competitive, and and age is also a factor. You know, like when you are the current superstar right now, 
and there is another kid on the block or there's some sort of rivalry and the media also put pressure on on the on, on the on the stars as well and the fans and the club the management you need to win trophies you need to meet target and knowing that um, you need to win these trophies as well so it's sort of really um, you know lifestyle changes you need to eat certain diet there's a lot of things that goes into it and you have to be you can have that moment of uh, can I just not um, have uh, be on my diet this time around? No, you've got to stay consistent throughout the season so it can be informed. So it's a lot to take in, and the, and the pressure it's 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 enormous. And 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 also knowing that there's just someone right behind you that might just take over your sport if you do not uh, if you slip up in any way. So these are things that could um, um, have an impact in, in, in their life and also on, also in the game, in, in whichever um, um, category, basketball, tennis, football, or even golf. So these are things that they go through and medically as well. And actually it's yeah. worse scenario now is having an injury and that's even devastating. It can just end in your career right there. Well, as you say, she's been receiving support and uh, we support the move. Uh, I mean, people must just do what works for them, really, honestly. Uh, big ups to her, but also support then coming from the Prime Minister of Australia, uh, saying that, you know, she's become an idol for the country and uh, she's inspired a generation of young people there. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm hoping more support will pour in for her. She's done the right thing that she needs for herself. Let's come back to the continent, talking the Central African Republic now. Former militia leader there has been brought before the International Criminal Court on charges of war crimes by the name of Maxime Mokom. Yes, um, it's it's we we we've been. This is a case that has been. Uh, it's been a wait. We've been sort of waiting for this uh, to to happen, and knowing that the, that this is something that has happened, and I think it's just over uh, ten years now. But it is not over ten years for the victims of the of this um, crimes, this war crimes that have endured in the Central African Republic, and it's just something that. You know, one of the questions that came up was that why are we um, getting in tried in the International Crimes Court? And and my my view on this is like it doesn't really matter which court is being getting tried on, where this crime committed, where they not committed. And and I think he's going to be uh, it, it's going to be a very tricky one because they have been trying to get this uh, conviction to happen over time. And there isn't really anyone opposing this um, the, the, this um, um, trial to happen. And we just well, I just have to take myself back in time, getting to study this man and the group and the oppression and the, and the, and the victims of, of, the, of, the, of their crime. It's just really, really sad. And, and we're just going to watch how the, the trial is going to how it's going to play out and how are the people really going to get, uh, uh, the victims going to get justice? Because when it comes to cases like this, you can really, it's, 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 you can really, um, you need to evaluate the impact, the, 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 the crime. Now you need to, you can't isolate one crime from the other because now this was a commander of a group and also uh, the crimes of the group would also be on him because he is the one commanding 
the, the military group. And it's quite, I can't even imagine what the consequences of this would be should he be found guilty. Of course, all hands are on him. Everyone is pointing to Malcolm and we would just want to hear his side of things of um, how he's going to get out of this. All right. And as you say, I mean, the crimes were committed uh, about 10 years ago, 2013 and 2014. But this wasn't creation or in response. I mean, Maxim Mokom's militia was in response to, I mean, they were calling themselves self-defense militias in response to a reaction to the takeover of Bangui by the Salika. So the Salika commander as well is going to be facing trial as well, Mohammed Saeed Abdel Kani, and that will open in September. So he's not the only one there, Mokom. It will be him and Kani. Yes, yes, that that's absolutely correct, Asanda. And it, the, you know, the whole region, they, they, they have this particular group were feared in that region. And I think when it comes to witness, they would be able to even help the, the ICC. I know they've probably done their the the work in building up this case, and I think the people there are just they just want to move on now and be able to have some sort of closure able to be able to rebuild their country and this condition are quite important because it will also be able to help any associate any allies that may be linked to them and in finding how to structure the the response from the government in in the central african republic at the moment okay let's end off with hashtag william and kate the duke and duchess of cambridge they are touring the caribbean ahead of queen elizabeth's 70th jubilee but Jamaican leaders are not happy about this. They're critical of this, even as far as villagers staging protests. Why are people not happy about this visit? Yes, it's. it's um, I'm sorry. It's it's a bit uh, interesting to see that um, there are calls for reparations uh, from from the from the from the royals in the in Jamaica, and it's just something that. Um, I, I'm not saying that people shouldn't um, ask for reparations, but I think they probably just share different views regarding the royals coming to Jamaica. Mm -hmm. And I think they were not, they're not that bothered by this uh, protest because they, they still carried on with their, 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 their mission in, over there. But also we cannot dismiss this protest. And what are these people looking for? What are they, what do they enter actually want from from them? They're just using this opportunity to send a message to the to the to the to the, to the royal family to say we do want reparation of the things that has happened in the past. Can can we begin to look at that conversation? And there was that message say you're sorry and apologize now, and that's the message they put on their placards, being written on t-shirt and and protesting. So it, it's I mean it's. I, mean, I wish they could get a, a response, obviously, but it's been one-sided all through the, the protests. The reparations uh, being in relation to the exploitation of the indigenous people of Jamaica and the, the trafficking of uh, Africans, transatlantic trafficking, and also, I mean, they, uh, you know, connecting everything to colonization. Is the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge, are they the right people to respond to these reparations and the responses uh, that they would give, how far would they go in terms of even tackling this issue? Do you think? Uh, it, it's. I think once the royals have left the shores of the Jamaica, 
uh, I think it will be over. They would they will probably move on. And I mean, if they had wanted to do this process, um, they could have done that. Maybe in we have Jamaican um, huge Jamaican community in the United Kingdom. I think they would have they could have done that the, in the UK precisely because they could have gone to Buckingham Palace to do to do the protest there. But I think it's just a way of sending a message to them and saying that we haven't gotten over what has happened during that era. Um, and, and it's just, you know, I think it's also a call for us to begin to look at conversations like this, knowing that some things are not really concluded. Some people have not really got closure and not been swept under the carpet. And if this is not attended to, of course, maybe another couple of months or years, it will come, come up again and we begin to look at it. This is not definitely not the, the, the right uh, people to address it to, but I think with the amount of media attention that this uh, protest have gotten, I think they, they're getting what they want. They want the attention. They're getting it. Yeah. And I think it just raises for me an interesting point in terms of when we talk about these reparations and apologies that need to be issued and how we maybe sometimes throw them at the people who are representations of whatever it is that we feel, whether it's colonialism or, or, or racism, but not necessarily those who would be equipped and well-equipped to give us the responses that will quell the fire, so to speak. I think that's a, a, t- a topic for another day anyway. But, uh, yeah, thank you very much then uh, for, for that, Ade, and we appreciate your time. Have a great Thursday. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you for having me. Thank you. A pleasure. It's, uh, we appreciate you very much there. In the UAE, Ade Kunle Owalabi, social commentator. On uh, Twitter... Some responses to our poll question. Shorty Signolo saying, it's a big no, I'm not satisfied at all. The government has failed us dismally with the land restitution process. And then also on Twitter, Nazim Khrodbom saying, no, I'm not satisfied. Look at the District 6 people. They waited for 20 years to get back there. Even a chameleon is faster than the progress of land distribution in this country. We were asking, are you... Happy or are you satisfied with that progress in terms of the pace it's going at of land restitution? Good morning messages from Freddie Adam on Twitter who says, Greetings, Asa. It's been a while. Have a blast. You too. Thank you very much, Freddie. And Nazim Khrodbom saying, Good morning, Asa, and the rest of the SAFM listeners. And Mukona uh, Justice Marandela from Honeydew, Thank you very much for your good morning messages. 4.35 is our time.